everyone, and welcome to another episode, a very special episode of Girl Boss Radio. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder and executive chairman of Nasty Gal and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Girl Boss, and the soon-to-be-released book, Nasty Galaxy, which you can find at nastygal.com slash book or anywhere books are sold. To stay in touch with all things Girl Boss, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Girl Boss. You can sign up for our newsletter, Girl Boss Diary, by going to girlboss.com. And you can follow me at Sophia Amoruso with a P-H-A-M-O-R-U-S-O on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, pretty much everywhere. I'm back teaming up with Prudential for this special episode of Girl Boss Radio and their 401k Race for Retirement. Prudential is a financial services company that offers retirement plans, insurance, and investments. You guys know I think it's so important for us, and especially for women, to not only save for retirement, but to save right now. Prudential's 4.01K Race for Retirement is on September 17th, 2016, at the Rose Bowl in Los Angeles. I'm going to be there. I hope you'll join me. You can register for the race at run401k.com. I thought it was time to hear from the experts, so I've brought in a heavy hitter today who can really give us some concrete financial tips, especially when it comes to living in a big city and handling debt. So I've brought in Farnoosh Tarabi to help us. Farnoosh is a journalist, author, television personality, and personal finance expert. She's the host of the award-winning podcast, So Money, which Inc. Magazine named a top podcast to grow your business. She also currently hosts the CNBC primetime series, Follow the Leader, where she spends 72 hours embedded in the life of a different entrepreneur. Farnoosh also recently became the finance columnist for O Magazine. I'm so excited to have her here and pick her brain. Farnoosh, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to be here. This is really cool. Thank you for having me. I feel like the stars just aligned, like, in a very rapid period. And I've been a fan. Um, I've read Girl Boss. I mean, when your book came out, I was so excited for it. So this is kind of surreal. I'm kind of having a girl crush moment right That's now. That's so cool. I think I might be too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a question I ask all of our guests at the top of the podcast. And I just think that it, everyone has a start and a lot of us who have found some level of achievement. I think the word success is kind of like, I'm afraid of that word a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question is a very simple one. Uh, Farnoosh, what was your first job? My first job was... I don't count babysitting as my first job because that was like under the table. And uh-huh. But I had a um, hostess job at the Ruby Diner in Lower Marion, Pennsylvania. I was 15 and a half. I, I was just the age I could get a, a worker's permit. I, I always wanted to work. And in fact, my dream job was to be a waitress when I was like four or five years old. I wow. thought that was the coolest job. You get to meet people. I loved helping. I think that was a sign back then that I was probably going to go into like a service type, type industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm helping people today. But my four-year-old brain was like, waitressing would be like the ultimate because mm-hmm. I like to eat. There's food. <laughs> there's people coming, going. I get to satisfy people's appetites. So cool and get paid. So um, at 15 and a half, I ran out and got my permit and um, shooby dooby down to Ruby's. It was a 50s oh, diner. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah. Well, that's the dream. That's what I was picturing. I was like, that's a dreamy, you know, waitress. Totally. Job. With like the pins, you know, the red and white yeah. outfits and the whole shebang. But of course, they took all that the cost of the outfit out of my first two paychecks. Wow. <laughs> and um, I was telling your producer earlier that I had quit. I quit like four weeks later because I kept coming home with a sad face. And my uh-huh. mom was like, what is – oh, I thought this was your dream job. Uh-huh. 
And I said, just, you know, was, the working conditions were not ideal. Yeah. Um, we had sort of a pig boss who, uh-huh. I mean, we were all these like young 15 year old girls wearing short skirts and, oh, you know, you're like a child. I feel yeah, like, it was I like, mean, 15 year olds are like 30 right year olds right now, but I feel like generally. Yeah. Mm, no. I spilled a shake on this woman. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> and then the other thing was we used to give kids free ice cream. And I would give them like these massive Sundays and my boss pulled me over. He's like, what are you doing? You're stealing. He's like, you have to give them the miniature Sunday. I'm like, uh, no one told me. It was such a joy for me to like yeah. bring these kids like these banana splits and be like, it's free. Just yeah. go for it. Yeah. So I would have gotten fired eventually, but my mom actually walked in and fired me for me because uh-huh. she was like, you're so depressed at this job. It's it's And this guy's a pig. Like, if you're not going to quit, I'm going to quit for you. That's amazing. I feel she like was I would have just like not shown up. I would have just been like... <laughs> <laughs> disappeared. I don't know. Um, especially if someone's that awful to me. But that's that is the nicer thing to do. Yeah. Um, so you went to college. Did you work through college? I did. I worked several jobs. I I think I just always liked having accountability and responsibility. And like money for me always meant having my own money always meant having my own choices. Mm-hmm. So I hated I hated having to call my parents for money. It was just like I never Enjoyed doing that. So I worked, I waitressed, I, um, I sold my notes from class. Oh, wow. Which was a legit job. There was this company and that like, yeah, you just take, you type up your notes all but pretty. Like the school would get you in, you'd get in trouble at school. No, no. It was like a legitimate business called Nittany Notes at Penn State. It's still around. Gosh, it sounds like you grew up in like the fifties or something. Yeah. <laughs> Where teenagers had jobs and um, – Now everything, just everyone you worked for had like a cute name. Yeah, Nittany Notes. Yeah. I went to school in Happy Valley. That was oh, – it wow. still is like the 50s in Penn, at Penn State. But uh-huh. I worked in telemarket. I had every weird job. I was a telemarketer. I sold Javalia coffee over the phone. Wow. I also in that job – maybe there's a theme here. Like I was always giving people more than what I was supposed to give them. I'm like, listen, you get three free months of coffee – but guess what? You can cancel the subscription uh-huh. and then don't worry about it. Just get to keep the coffee. You get to keep the carafe, everything. Totally. And my boss was like, pulled me over. He's like, you can't do that. No. I was like, but I'm just telling you. He's like, you can't tell them the loophole. Yeah. So I got fired. <laughs> um, How did that feel? It was fine because it was one of those jobs where like in the ad in the school paper, it was like, you can make $800 a week. Totally. And then I got there and I made like $8 a week. Uh-huh. So that wasn't cool. But it was – I think it was all supposed to meant to be. You know, you're supposed to go through those weird jobs. Yeah. Did you have college debt? I did. I didn't have college. I had college credit card debt, which rolled into more debt when I went to graduate school right away. I went to Columbia for journalism school and I got into about $30,000 in debt there. Wow. Um, plus more credit card debt. So it was uh, a rude awakening to adulthood in New York and – um to top it off, I my first job I made eighteen dollars an hour before taxes. I feel like that's a lot. It's a lot. I I but learned that's like a your first real job. It was like my first, you know, desk job where I had a business card and everything. Okay, yeah. Then that's. I my last job was like twelve or thirteen bucks an hour. I mean, but that was in like two thousand six. Anyway, I learned that that job that I had still exists and they still pay eighteen dollars. <laughs> Wow. So I guess I was being made pretty well back then. Yeah, it sounds like inflation has not <laughs> totally. moved that needle. Totally. So how much debt did you have? Right now? Did you? Oh, did I? <laughs> <laughs> Let's we, get into oh, it. Oh, dear. I, I had about $35,000 in debt. Okay. 
And how did you handle that? I, mean, I didn't at first. I was like, it doesn't exist. And then, I mean, I was paying minimums. I was um, – when I forgot my first credit card, I was like, this is amazing. I can spend all this money and all I owe is $12 at the end of the month. <laughs> and um, so that probably wasn't good for my credit score. But I started working more. You know, I was like, okay, I don't have a – I saved as much as I could. You know, that's like the first step when you have to pay off – debt or just make ends meet, you're like, okay, well, how am I spending that's silly or frivolous or mm-hmm. I can just cut out? So I spent a lot of weekends at my parents' house because mm-hmm. that was a safe zone. Because being in New York single alone, like with your friends, expensive bad things happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you start spending money, yeah. you get into trouble, like, you know, champagne for everyone. So it was safer for me to like take the Greyhound up to Massachusetts. To Amazing. St- and I would come back with like so you put toilet yourself paper. on timeout. Like I did. I put, yeah, I put myself on timeout. And I think it's important that you know you you are mindful of the company that you keep as you're trying to save money, because especially when you're young, your friends are everything, right? Mm-hmm. And you want to you want to please them. You want to be part of the gang. And so if you have a friend or two that have daddy's credit card or. Uh, make more and have more allowances. It's it's tempting to sort of keep Try up with the Joneses, yeah. and I think you have to know yourself. I had a friend who, for the longest time, I could never understand why she would never come out with us, except for like a dessert or a drink. She mm. always said, "Oh my gosh, I'm working. I'm so busy," but. No, she I think she was trying to avoid the whole like going to dinner and then the drinks and you know cuz we would drop totally. like $100 and we didn't have that money to drop. Yeah. So I think she was being really smart. It's interesting how taste level I think plays some uh or just interests plays like some level in how much money you spend when you're in your 20s cuz I went to dive bars and it was like dirt cheap yeah. and I like you know if I was hanging out with friends who like had an appetite for like something other than Bud Light, I would have been in a different position. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably really common. Totally. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe the advice is just stick to dive bars. I'm not sure. But yeah. <laughs> it and dive bars. I mean, yeah. uh, I should have moved to Brooklyn a long time ago. I, yeah. I live there now. And I was like, what was I oh, thinking? Cool. Trying to make ends meet on the Upper West Side. So how did you get out of $30,000 a day? So I worked several jobs. I had that. I had a full-time job, but then I also – I babysat. I freelanced. I mean, I had a master's in journalism. I had no qualms about pet sitting. As you know, uh-huh. like I was like, I need to do what I gotta do. Girlfriend needs to stop eating tuna fish out of a can. Uh-huh. Life has to get better. So um, I live with a married couple. I lived in a rent control department. The catch was I had to live with a married couple that had a cat. I don't like cats. It was wow. like, a, and they fought a lot. So oh my god, there were trade offs. There were definitely trade offs. Then I think the big awesome moment when I really got to clear off all the debt once and for all was. As I was freelancing to make ends meet and doing all these odd writing gigs, those articles became the basis of a book proposal that I sold and that advance was like more money than I ever made in my life, Mm -hmm. more money than I would have made in like two years, three years at my job. So I just – I was so tempted to start buying like stuff, you know, like I finally can buy like – a watch or something. And then I just said, you know what? Let's just really nice do the boring for stuff. For a really- <laughs> <laughs> um, it matters. It, yeah, little yeah, things. Yeah, it's yeah, the little totally. things. So I just – I paid off all my student loans. And frankly, you know, it was a very low interest rate. I could have probably let them sit around for a long time and it wouldn't have hurt my credit or anything. But I just – for me, psychologically, I wanted to have a clean slate because mm-hmm. I didn't really feel like an adult nice. until I felt like I could – 
buy stuff and not have a, this remorse or feel that um, it's irresponsible. I, I felt yeah. responsible, right? I was adulting. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, Debt, I was just thinking earlier, and maybe you could correct me on this, but I just said this earlier to our producer, Shara. I was like, debt's the opposite of saving. And it kind of is. Like, it gets more expensive the longer you let debt sit. And when you save, you accumulate more money the longer you let it sit. And it's like, it's really interesting. I don't know. It's, it's working. It's like working in opposite direction. Totally. Yeah. Totally. At what point did you start saving? And, you know, did you open a savings account? Did yeah. you know what a 401k was? At what point did you become financially literate? Well, it was a evolution. I mean, when I was 15, I got that first job. My dad took me to the local credit union and was like, we're opening up a Roth IRA. Amazing. Like, what the hell is a Roth IRA? I can't even touch it until I'm 59 and a half. Thanks. Uh-huh. This sucks. Um, but I, I still have that Roth IRA. Yeah. It has like a few thousand dollars in it. So <laughs> that's great. But I mean, I'm, I was really good at earning in college. I would have all these jobs, but I would spend it because I was so excited to have money. I'd buy presents for people like Christmas in June, you know, it was, mm-hmm. I loved treating people to that. And I think I got more serious about spending when I started at a job that had a 401k. Mm-hmm. And again, here, my father, when I was, you know, I told him, I'm, I'm like, interviewing for this job. It was for a producer position in New York City. And he's like, great. What are the benefits? I'm like, um, it's the jobs in New York. I get a discount on merchandise. Yeah. There's a gym <laughs> membership thing. And he's like, no, I mean like dental health. I'm like, that's boring. Well, I don't know. Just whatever, I guess. He's like, no, this is important because when you're negotiating, like negotiating. So he actually was very ahead of his time in teaching like his young daughter and to early 2000 and be like, you should ask for more when you get to that job. And mm-hmm. you should ask about the 401k and ask if they're going to match it. And I said, okay. So cool I, dad. Cool dad. Yeah. He taught me a lot about negotiating. So, yeah. you know, and then, of course, the HR woman, once I got the job, she was like, you need to do this 401k. We match uh, every, for every dollar. We give you a dollar up to 6%. No, of, it's amazing. It's like free money. Free money. She's like, look. You may feel like you don't have the money. I feel you. I've been, I've been there. So let's start you off small. Let's do like 5% of your salary. And it's automatic. So you'll never see you'll it. Never see it. No one won't miss it. She's like, if you start having pal- heart palpitations, you can always come into my office and we can adjust it. And I never did. You don't miss what you never had. Right. Right. I just spent Make what it they gave me. here before you have a chance to yes. see it. Amen. <laughs> and I, I, when I left that job, I had like – Fifty, sixty thousand dollars in retirement. If anyone told me to save that much money on my wow. own for th- over three, you can four retire years? for a year. Yeah, I'm, I'm like kidding. <laughs> vacation. But it's the four hundred one k is one of the best inventions ever. It's amazing. I mean, it, there are fees, but like, what's the other option? You know that you just don't save because we wouldn't if, if we if we I had mean, to do it on our own. You're, you're accepting free money, which is like yeah. a dumb thing not to do. I think. I think a lot of people just don't understand what these things are. Well, they don't really – we don't really have a sense of – we don't like to delay gratification. Mm-hmm. As human beings, we are not hardwired to save or want to save. There's no innate desire. Like cavemen yeah. and cavewomen weren't like – they they would, you know, kill, get their meat and eat it then. Like they weren't saving it for, for Wednesday. Like yeah. it was all about survival. So we still have those survival instincts in us. This idea of saving is very foreign. And then they invented salt, and I think that changed everything. <laughs> Preservatives. <laughs> I heard. Um, did you ever save anything when you were in your 20s? I saved a million dollars in cash. What? Well, it was the company. I, the company yeah. did, and I had like you know a few grand in my, in my account. Mm-hmm. But the company 
was just bankrolling itself and was cash flow positive. And I just watched my little Wells Fargo account go from, you know, having at one point been nothing to a million dollars cash. Yeah. Today, there's very few things that I've done in the past that I'm like, I can't believe I did that because people celebrate me for like opening an eBay store. It's like, you know how many people have opened eBay stores? You shipped everything yourself. Yeah, that's what people do when they have eBay stores. There's lots of eBay stores. It's really not that much to celebrate. But that's one thing that that's like, a so money moment, as I would say on my show. Uh-huh. It's a so money moment, which I'm coming on. I'm gonna we're gonna talk about <laughs> money. Um, do you get a lot of questions, like advice from twenty somethings on saving, and what is you know what do you like to tell people about you know how to make that happen for themselves? Yeah, I mean a lot of what we already talked about. You know, automating it, just get it out of your realm of responsibility. Just have it, set it, and forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also say take advantage of technologies and online systems. There's a lot of ways that you can save on the go and um, services, online services that will help you mm-hmm. connect your checking account to an online savings account. So like it just gets some system in place. Mm-hmm. And I do get a lot of questions from millennials. My show, we did dedicate a whole Friday to answering people's questions. And I think People, I'm I'm really impressed by the questions. I feel like people really understand the importance of saving. It is a lot of times the behavioral questions, like how do I, how do I figure out what to cut out? Mm-hmm. So I usually say, you know, it starts with, and this is something that I think we don't do in our early stages of life. Like we don't actually stop to think, what's important to me? Mm-hmm. Where do I want to be in three years? That's so hard. I mean, I you know. get a little more perspective every year, but then you're like. You could have been saving that whole time. <laughs> exactly. But you know what the beauty of that? Like you're allowed to change your mind. Mm-hmm. And when you do, that money will still be there for you. Mm-hmm. You know? So you're 25 and you're like, I think I want to maybe go back to school in two years and get my master's in fine arts. But then you realize. That's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. So you save for that. So yeah. you have to reverse engineer. What does that cost? Yeah. Is it 50000 100000 Okay. So starting now, what do you have to do? And what are you willing to trade off? I think that's the beauty of. I don't like to talk about budgets and saving as so much as I like to talk about goals Mm -hmm. and personal agendas and because then that's more exciting and you can understand the trade-offs better. Yeah, it's more – I don't know. Like you can watch that more than you can watch, you know, saving. Like it's like you can gamify things. Exactly. Um, And I think it's just so interesting that our culture rewards things like, you know – buying bottle service and like (laughs) whatever i mean boring like if that's you know for the rest of your life like if that's what you're gonna go get like i mean i don't know i live in la so there's i'm sure there's plenty of it in new york but there's just like you know a culture of looking like you have more money than you do i mean i grew up in the suburbs everyone was you know buying houses they couldn't afford and driving cars they Mm -hmm. couldn't afford and eventually like the job that i had when i was 15 like college educated adults had because the whole everything fell apart. But a lot of people were living on borrowed money. Um, yes. And I think it's just there's nothing more beautiful than living within your means. And I think, you know, it's podcasts like yours and hopefully, you know, conversations like the one that we're having uh, help change that dynamic. And, you know, some of it is making this fun and entertaining and cool and never going to be a night at the club. But – you know, changing the conversation from something that's like really stiff and uncool to one where it's like, no, actually, these are mm-hmm. important conversations and especially important conversations for women. Totally. And I think that, that we're, we're, I think we're changing. I think that the the champagne bottle service nights are losing their luster. I mean, there's sort of a, like people see that and they're like rolling their eyes, hopefully. And mm-hmm. 
I think the more we spotlight individuals that are doing creative things with their income, that are being entrepreneurial, who have great stories about getting out. Of, I mean, I've interviewed people who have gotten out of like a million dollars in debt wow. as a single mom. Oh, my God. Yeah. So the more What we, advice would you give her? How do you do that? She um, sold everything. Like she just went down to – she basically did went to ground zero with her finances. Mm-hmm. And that's actually – a guest on my show one time said that every single year she and her partner, they look at how they're spending. They take everything off the table and they start over. And they start adding it back Because every year yeah. changes. Mm-hmm. We just got rid of cable. Really? It was Yeah. Cool. I don't know. It was kind of like – my husband was like, really? And I'm like – we don't watch TV. We watch Netflix, which it's I know true. you have a show coming out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Girl boss. Sit, can't wait. <laughs> um, I'm like, you know, we, we have our shows and we can get that on demand. Why are we spending $160 a month? That's a lot. That's like your cell phone It's bill. my biggest bill and I don't utilize it. So I just feel like we can afford it, but it's a waste. Yeah. This is why cable's dying. It's crazy. <laughs> Everyone's going OTT, mm-hmm. which means over the top because I learned that somewhere. <laughs> Um, so I heard, okay, if you save $9 a day, yeah. what's this statistic? I love million this. dollars by, so if you start at 25 saving $9 a day, uh-huh. which is like Starbucks, which is like, I had an iced coffee just now. It was like $4. Oh, so two of those and change saved over the course of like 32 years, which historically that has averaged 8% a year annual return. Mm-hmm. Don't just look at the last, you know. 10 years, like you got to look at a 30 year some stretch that can end up with, you can end up with a million dollars by 67. So when young people come to you and they're like, I don't have any money to save. It's not about like, there's like, no expect yourself. Yeah. I'm like, actually, you might have money to save. I mean, if you have a job and I think because people get overwhelmed, they're like, they think about how much they'll need one day and they go, how do I even begin? I have to start saving like a thousand dollars a week or something. And the truth is that it's not so much how much you save when you're young. It is the frequency of saving when you're young. Consistency. Consistency, starting small, doing something. Because with compound interest, if you're 25 and you start saving $10 a day today for the next 10 years and then stop and then just let that money continue growing in those investments, Mm -hmm. you'll have more money than someone who started at 35 and save for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So, our number of the like until the re- retirement. Tell our listeners just f- for a refresher course what compound interest is. Wow. So, it's the eighth wonder of the world. Um, <laughs> it is so when you save money, there's an interest rate attached to that. So, it's like, let's just say 5%. So, you put in a dollar, that dollar earns 5%. And then that dollar and 5% earns 5%. Mm-hmm. So it just becomes this compounding interest that's Think growing. Think Pee Wee Herman's foil ball, <laughs> but with money. <laughs> right. But you have to put it in a bank or Think something. Think of like a, gro- like a growth and it just keeps like exponentially growing. It's a exponential. A really beautiful growth. Yes. That you can utilize someday mm-hmm. for something. <laughs> Fermenting, making, pickling, I don't know. Okay, that's more beautiful. <laughs> that's very Los Angeles. Um, so, Fernier, since you wrote that first book, you're now a celebrated author. You have your own show on CNBC, mm-hmm. a successful podcast, and you're the finance columnist for O Magazine. Oh, jeez. So, this is, I mean, obviously, you've been very successful and successful financially, um, and I know you're married, and I'm just so curious, like, how you think about, you know, finance and relationships and yeah. any advice that you would give to our listeners. I think that 
I don't really have a hard and fast rule for this is how you need to manage your money and your relationship. I think what needs to happen in every relationship, hands down, regardless of the of the type of relationship, whether you're married, not married, if you're in a serious relationship, you need to talk about money. Mm-hmm. So many couples do not even have a conversation about, hey, how much do you make? Mm-hmm. Do you know how people don't know how much their partners earn? I think most, a lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah. You, they don't know how much they have in savings. They don't know how many credit cards they have out. If you're going to build a life together, mm-hmm. that life carries a price tag. And if you want to participate jointly in building that life, it would behoove you to at least get on, <laughs> like know what you're what you're working with. Absolutely. And not be. Afraid. I think people there's a lot of fear. Our culture is not comfortable talking about money. Um, at least not per, our personal finances. Mm-hmm. We're, we can talk about the deficit, which is like I don't even. What? So exactly. <laughs> but you know, when we like, what's your credit score? Or how much do you make? That um, raises up a lot of anxiety. And I think because we all, you know, culturally, again, it's a taboo topic. We're more comfortable talking about politics, death, sex, like the mm-hmm. growth that we were just talking about on your uh-huh. whatever. So we just money is like pickles. <laughs> we don't go there. <laughs> and so I think if you love each other and you. Um, you got to get vulnerable and talk about money. Well, your future depends on it. And yeah. I do think that it's a shared responsibility. And I've definitely been in relationships where it's my responsibility to bring it up. And that's no fun. So I, so I in that case, I would suggest, and we did this in our marriage because it was like the de facto. I was the money person. So I'm the one who's going to say how much we can spend on bring this. Bring things up. Like bring things initiate up. Initiate whatever. And I felt confident in doing that, but it was tiring and I didn't it was also burdensome because I felt like I wasn't no one was sharing it wasn't my husband's fault per se although he is responsible but I also wasn't saying hey let's Mm -hmm. have you step up to the plate and participate I was making more than him so I think he's admitted to me that he felt a little insecure saying hey let's go to the Ritz Carlton for Vic you know like he didn't Mm -hmm. want to suggest Things that would cost money because he because he, he knew that a lot of it I would pay for and so he didn't want to you know hard. that's really I'm like hard you're not my roommate yeah totally. you're not like a couch surfer like, I want to share with you yeah but the other person can sometimes be like I don't know how to accept that exactly so we especially to, when you're a woman so you got to meet halfway mm-hmm. and then we got a financial advisor who, oh, wow. which is great because this person can be like the objective person who comes in and is like I've looked at all your finances here's what I think and. So you're not constantly going to battle and this person can kind of be the voice of reason mm-hmm. and you can blame this person if, you know, you can talk shit about this person after the meeting or whatever and be like, she told me to do this. Yeah, and, sorry. It's not. Yeah. This is good advice, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so you have a little bit of a barrier mm-hmm. and and that worked for us in the beginning. Um, and also I think it's important for women especially to make their own money and have their own bank account. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Men too. But especially women, there's just too much that we already know about women who become financially dependent in a marriage. And when the marriage doesn't work out, they're the ones who mm-hmm. are suffering the most. And they're the ones who have to usually take care of the kids. It's it's very tragic. So uh, even if you're choosing not to work in the relationship, like you want to be the full-time caretaker, that's fine. But there should be some expectation that whatever income's coming in, it's not an allowance, but you are getting an allocation of that into totally. your personal savings. Totally. Do you believe in prenups? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Cool. So there's a question that I ask everyone, another question, I guess there's one at the beginning and one at the end um, that I ask all of our guests. And we have something called girl boss moments on the mm-hmm. podcast. And that's, I don't know, it's kind of like a hallmark moment, but it's the time in your week where you felt like you were in control of your life. So girl boss, 
radio is all about that and saving for your future is a huge part of feeling like you're in control of your life. But your go boss moment can be, I gave myself a bubble bath. I've, got, I've used that as an example probably too many times. It could be something personal care related, like I actually took time for myself, or it could be I achieved something in my career. Furnish, what was your girl boss moment in the last week? I think it was, you know, I work for myself and I always wanted to because I knew if one day I had a family, I didn't want to have to ask permission to see my kids. Mm-hmm. So I have a two-year-old now and my girl boss moment this week and for many weeks since he was born was leaving work when I wanted to leave work or not work and spend the day with him. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't bossy to him, mm-hmm. but I was feeling very girl bossy because I was like, okay, this is, this for me has, was my dream and I'm living it. Yeah. And that's I think that's, nourishes it's you. great. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, I hope that everyone can have that flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, not, and it's not like, well, likely everyone can not work or work when they want, but I hope that employers become more understanding that it's not a woman's issue. It's a family issue and families are important. So, absolutely, you know, give us the flexibility that we need. There's nothing more girl boss than your girl boss moment having nothing to do with work. I really think yeah. so. And it being hanging out with your two-year-old, yeah. right? Um, I think that's He's a, fun. That's a good one. I want that one someday. So You'll get it. Farnoosh, thank you so much for coming on the show. My honor. Yeah, thank you. Fun. You're great. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. All right, you guys, that was another episode, a very special episode of Girl Boss Radio brought to you in partnership with Prudential. Our producer is Shara Morris. Thanks also to Emily Rubin, Kristen Meinzer, Laura Mayer, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Thanks also to the band Phases for our theme song and to Same Animal for our interstitial jam. You guys remember, Prudential's 401k race, that's only 4.01 kilometers, Race for Retirement is on September 17th at the Rose Bowl in Los Angeles. I'll be there. Join me. You can register for the race at run401k.com. I'm Sophia Amaruso. I'll talk to you next week.